Hello and welcome to this week's podcast version of Scripps' Five Must Know Things. This edition for the Business Week ended 9th October 2020. This is Ian Haydock. This week we look at the impact of Trump's COVID treatment on clinical trials, a major acquisition by BMS, a planned EUA for Lilly's COVID antibody therapy, change at the top at Merck Research Labs, and a look ahead at major new drug approvals in the coming months. Experts have warned that Regeneron's decision to grant US President Donald Trump expanded access to its experimental cocktail of two monoclonal antibodies for COVID-19 could hinder the company's clinical trials of the treatment and also the public's broader appreciation of the need for such trials in the first place. Less than 24 hours after Trump tweeted that he'd tested positive for COVID-19, the White House announced on 2nd October that he had received a high 8-gram dose of Regeneron's REGN-CoV2 as a precautionary measure. This made the US leader one of less than a dozen people worldwide to receive it outside of a clinical trial. A small early study showed the therapy reduced viral load and time to alleviation of symptoms in non-hospitalised patients that had not generated their own antibodies. But Sarah Carlin-Smith writes that giving the president access to the antibody cocktail may convey to the public that the risk-benefit calculus is already in its favour, under the assumption that the US president would get the best possible medical care. That opinion could also hurt trial enrolment if patients think that they can also gain expanded access to this or similar experimental medicines, or it could potentially direct more patients to these trials rather than other experimental COVID-19 treatments. On the flip side, experts said that if Trump doesn't fare well, people may be turned off from the medicine, even if the antibody itself wasn't responsible. Suggesting these treatments for the president outside of clinical trials when he's not in the dire straits typically reserved for offering unproven therapies outside of such research has broad implications for society, said Vinay Prasad, who studies clinical trials and healthcare decision-making at the University of California in San Francisco. One of the major public health pitfalls that we have right now is people don't participate in randomised controlled trials, Prasad said. The situation creates the impression that there's two tiers of care, You poison the ability to do any studies and people will doubt that these studies have any value, he said. Roughly a year after closing its mega-acquisition of Celgene, Bristol-Myers Squibb dipped into M&A again on 5th October with the announcement of a $13.1 billion buyout of Myocardia, based on commercial prospects for its first-in-class allosteric myosin inhibitor in obstructive hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Joe Haas writes that BMS Chief Commercial Officer Christopher Berner talked up Mavacamten's potential to change the standard of care for obstructive HCM, which is currently surgery and beta and calcium channel blockers with a potentially disease-modifying therapy. Myocardia unveiled data from the Phase 3 Explorer HCM study in May, in which Mavacamten hit all primary and secondary endpoints. Myocardia plans to file an NDA during the first quarter of 2021, meaning the drug could reach the market before the end of next year. We expect Mavacamten to be first to market and likely the only systemic option available to patients for many years to come, Berner said. Down the road, BMS also sees non-obstructive HCM, for which Mavacamten is in phase two, as another revenue driver for the product, which will also be tested in heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. BMS and Myocardia agreed to a tender offer of $225 per share in the acquisition, a 61% premium. 
Both companies' boards have agreed to the deal, which BMS said is expected to close during the fourth quarter. Joe also reports that Eli Lilly is forging ahead with neutralising antibody therapies for COVID-19, with a new filing for an emergency use authorization for the first, LYCOV555, and new combination for that therapy plus LYCOV016. In announcing the developments on 7th October, CEO David Ricks touched on pricing, saying that we do want to make sure that patients have no or very, very low out-of-pocket costs anywhere in the world to receive this therapy should it be approved. He also noted the concept of doing a cost or cost plus is a difficult one because defining cost is a difficult exercise, particularly given the R&D situation where it's front-loaded and at risk. Rick said Lilly is considering a tiered pricing scheme in which a country's ability to pay based on gross domestic product per capita or another metric would be applied. The pharma firm is also talking with philanthropic groups about providing the therapies in poorer nations. Lilly filed for a US-EUA for its spike protein neutralizing antibody LYCOV555, which is also known as Bamlanivimab, on 7th October after releasing about three weeks ago interim data from the Phase 2 Blaze 1 study. This showed a 2.8 gram dose can clear the virus from baseline levels at day 11 and also reduce the risk of hospitalization. Data for a combination of that antibody with LYCOV016 are seen as even more promising and showed a significant reduction in COVID-19 infected patients' viral load. Lilly plans to file for an EUA for this combination in November. Merck & Co is in better shape now than it was in 2013 when Roger Perlmutter rejoined the firm as president of Merck Research Laboratories, largely because of the blockbuster Keytruda. The US company announced on 2nd October that Perlmutter is retiring and handing over ongoing R&D for the PD-1 inhibitor and the group effort to generate novel products to Dean Lee, who's Senior Vice President of Discovery Sciences and Translational Medicines at the company. Pilmutter will officially hand over the MRL keys on 1st January next year, but will remain as Executive Director through to 30th June 2021 to facilitate the transition. Lee will take over at a time when MRL is under increasing pressure to bring forward new drugs that will diversify Merck's commercial portfolio beyond Keytruda. Mandy Jackson writes that with $11.1 billion in 2019 sales, Keytruda accounted for 27% of Merck's pharma revenue last year. In Q2 2020, Keytruda's $3.4 billion in sales provided 35% of pharma revenue for the period, given the coronavirus impact on some other products like vaccines. Lee worked in translational medical research at the University of Utah before joining Merck & Co in 2017, most recently as a professor of medicine and cardiology and as chief scientific officer, associate vice president and vice dean at the University of Utah Health System. Lee appears to have an entrepreneurial view of R&D since he has also co-founded multiple biotechnology companies based on research conducted in his laboratory at the university. Finally, Alex Shimmings writes that the end of the year should see a flurry of new products reaching the market to either break new commercial ground or shake up their respective therapeutic areas. 
She took a look at 12 of the most interesting approvals expected in the coming months with the help of analysts at Informa's Biomed Tracker. Among the products, Supernus should hear by 8th November whether the US FDA will approve SBN 812, which is viloxazine hydrochloride, a novel non-stimulant treatment for children and adolescents with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. The serotonin nor epinephrine modulating agent has been approved for many years in Europe for depression. If approved, Sanofi's Sotimlimab will be the first marketed treatment for patients with cold agglutinin disease. The monoclonal antibody inhibitor of C1S in the classical complement pathway of the immune system is under priority review by the FDA as a treatment for C1-activated hemolysis in CAD patients. Meanwhile, Macrogenics antibody targeting HER2, Margatuximab, has US fast-track status for metastatic or locally advanced HER2-positive breast cancer patients who've previously been treated with anti-HER2-targeted therapy. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to sign up, sign in, and set up to receive these full stories and much more digital content. This and all our other podcasts are also now available via Alexa, Just set up Informer Farmer Intelligence as a skill on your smart speaker or Alexa app for easy voice access. Bye for now.